Quiet on the set. Action. Welcome to this very thrilling episode of Movie Machine, Fightcast, or it's both. We are Fightcast, David Elwin Trailer and Kirsten Wade here, and we are doing a little bit of an exchange with Movie Machine. Yes. Um, if you are interested in what you hear tonight, I recommend checking out Hot Chocolate Media and all the excellent comedy podcasts that they produce. Absolutely. You can find them at hotchocolatemedia.net. So, to get started on this excellent movie that we're going to be creating, we do have a couple of special guests. I have the stand-in for Linda Hamilton's biceps, Mary-Kate Moran. Hi! That was you? Yes. Well, it was both of them. I've also got the makeup artist who maintains Tom Cruise's smile, Marcus Williams. It's impossible, but I do it. And then, of course, the man who is invited to a set to ensure that no beards are harmed during filming, David Elwin Trailer. You know, if, if somebody weren't watching out for them, I think that we'd be, we'd have some sheerly departed, you know. Oh beards. my god. Oh my god. Oh, well, it hurts on you. That's why I'm here. That's what the service I provide. Uh, so, in tonight's... <laughs> In tonight's episode, we are going to be listening to uh, Mary Kate as our writer, Marcus as our director, David as our producer, and I will be checking along and working the movie machine itself to see how much money these guys managed to pull in. So, the movie machine is telling you that you need to make a parody adventure. The main characters are a grim detective and disillusioned pharmacist. The story starts with tragedy and ends with inheritance. So we call it Batman, okay? <laughs> <laughs> Mary Kate, you get mm -hmm. two minutes starting okay. now. All right, so I'm imagining this is some sort of like around the world in 80 days sort of adventure caper. So it starts off with. You know, I'm thinking maybe uh, the tragedy is actually that the pharmacist gives the wrong sort of medication, and instead of someone getting over their allergies, they hulk out or something. We, so to uh, investigate what's going on, we have this grim detective, the grimmest of detectives. I think you should have a storm cloud over his head at all times, but I'll leave that up to the director. To figure out what is wrong with this ingredient, they're going to travel around the world because of... The most eco-friendly way to fly hot air, they're going to air balloon it around and <laughs> figure out what is wrong with this rare Himalayan ingredient that caused this, this tragic devastation in this man's life. And, you know, it's a real, there's some, some buddy comedy going on between this, you know, Raymond Chandler-esque detective who we'll call um, Chambo Raybon. <laughs> And uh, the disillusioned pharmacist who will be uh, Jenny Pylon, you know, like the coach. Jenny. <laughs> um, how do names work? And, and so they're going to be traveling across the world to do this. They might need to encounter some sort of storm, physical or internal, to get through this. But they're going to figure out 
what is going on, spoiler alert, something corporate, wh- why these ingredients are going so horribly wrong in prescriptions. So there you go. Um, now, do we have a name? Ooh, okay. I trusted you. All right, excellent. Now, director, you have what looks to be an eco-friendly thriller. It's a little <laughs> anti-corporate. We have rain clouds over the detective's head. It's very visually metaphorical. <laughs> what What are you going to do with this excellent parody adventure? Okay, well, that was a lot. <laughs> so, if we're going to do a world-hopping adventure, we might as well make it the multiverse. So we're not just <laughs> jumping to one world. We're jumping, we're jumping through an infinite possibility of worlds. Anytime you're doing a parody, you have to include Samuel L. Jackson because the amount of profanities that he can lace to fill bad dialogue by a writer is going to be infinite. He can't conduct a symphony orchestra with the word motherfucker. He, literally, he should own the copyright to the word, and he will give us the star power that we need because our disillusioned pharmacist will kind of do a flip-flop. If we're going to go the hulking route... I want to take a B-list actor and then turn them into an A-list actor. The only way to do that is to start with Carrot Top and end with Kristen <laughs> Wiig. <laughs> so that's that's where we're going to go with that one. The tragedy of this being that Samuel L. Jackson hates Carrot Top. Carrot Top wants to be his best friend. Carrot Top gets turned into Kristen Wiig. Kristen Wiig is hilarious. They end up They end up inheriting some sort of multiverse device. I don't know. I'm thinking like... Uh, a fork <laughs> of some kind. Maybe there's a maybe there's a phone booth that could be like worked in there somehow. I don't know if anyone's ever done that. I'm sure this is the first time anyone's ever thought of it. In terms of medication and allergies, everyone's gonna get one look at Carrot Top and be like, "Oh no, something's gone wrong," and then like turn into Kristen Wiig and be like, "Did something go wrong, or did something go very, very right?" In terms of an air balloon. I'm thinking something that is like metallic, steampunk, uh, shoots lasers, but like steampunk lasers. So there's like steam coming out and then like, you need like fuel and coal to get it going. And then there's like a mechanical owl that flies around. Yeah, something something along those lines. In terms of anti-corporate, we just have Samuel L. Jackson be like, what the fuck, Apple? And then like, you know, <laughs> hurl something and it explodes. He doesn't look at it. Yeah. It just explodes behind him as he walks away. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Just, or, or, he's, or, away. or he's blind. He can't see it. Blind oh. Samuel L. Jackson. Oh, oh. <laughs> Has he ever played a blind guy before? I have no idea. I think I, he's played just about every other single guy that has ever been. So I, I mean, I believe this will be a first for him. All right, director, how do you feel about that title? I trusted you. Sounds more like a a lovers quarrel drama <laughs> <laughs> as opposed to. A parody multiverse hopping <laughs> adventure. More, I guess it could say we trust each other or we trusted it. We it's trusted like, it. Like what is there? We're being pulled into storm drains or like is this allergy medicine turning us all into Kristen wigs? Oh, it's a pandemic. Oh. Who knows? All right, is everybody wigging so, out? Uh, so producer, now you have uh, what looks to be a steampunk adventure. <laughs> where our detective and our flip-flopping, carrot-topping pharmacist (laughs) go from universe to universe trying to be anti-corporate and find the uh, cure to what's going on. What what do you do with this? 
This picture's got a lot of legs. This can do it in, in, in incredibly well in the Laurel and Hardy recreationists community. Mm. Um, I think we want to maybe... This has absolutely nothing to do with my affiliation for silent film or uh, early 30s film, but we need to, I think, include some kind of Laurel and Hardy reference throughout this. <laughs> it's, it's very important. As a matter of fact, I walk if we do not get at least some kind of Laurel and Hardy reference. That's just right off the bat. I want to get that, you know in the open here. We can sell and distribute this in the steampunk community. I think we go heavy on the Comic-Con circuit. Monocles. Um, exactly. I, I think, you know, people who can make, like, robotic arms out of pure brass. I think that it's fair to give this a decent budget. I think that I was looking up a film of similar caliber, the masterpiece known as Date Night. That film had a $55 million budget. I'm going to go ahead and maybe hedge my bets a little bit. I'll give you $50 million. Okay, Date Night. Okay, good. I'm going to give you a... I, I, because I, again, I, I trust you. I don't make me say I trusted you. Okay, okay. I trust you currently. Dimension hopping super in right now, and we we can't go too heavy on the anti corporate angle. Uh, okay. Otherwise, I'm sorry. I, I I got people yanking my chain too, just like anything else. And I am uh, above all else a uh, filthy spineless capitalist. <laughs> so corporations have to be considered people they're just bad people but they have to be people at yeah. the end of the day that's the language that's uh, what I've been constrained to that that's all I'm thinking for now I'm intrigued make me make me more impressed mm. all right so writer your vision has changed a bit the movie now titled we trusted it starring Samuel L Jackson and the flip-flopping duo of carrot top and Kristen Wiig is it's now about multiverses. It's very steampunk. I, I feel like we may have lost some of that metaphor that you were going for to start, but it's definitely aimed at a niche community. How would you sort of tweak things? What's your what's your aim here? Ooh, okay. Hmm. Well, I still think I think with them what we're gonna do is we're gonna lean into the disillusioned angle of uh, Jenny Pylon and the title we trusted it and put this more towards some sort of, you know, steampunkian Victorian but oddly forward-leaning look at the Industrial Revolution's impact on the medical world. And so what this can do for, you know, maybe we're looking at something that's a little more like Frankensteinian but, um, you know, ho hopeful thinking. And, oh, we, we put too much trust into what machines and science can do for mankind. And so again, maybe we can still bring back this accidental Hulk that we've created some, or something where something goes wrong in trying to treat people and make them better, alleviate their allergies, which I'm assuming everyone was allergic to everything in Victorian times or whatever multiverse <laughs> we go to. Because it's only it was, gotten worse. It was, it was horrible back then. So the other thing is I think we can incorporate between the dichotomy between Samuel L. Jackson and either Kristen Wiig or Carrot Top, there can be a real, you know, there's a alpha and a... And a, and a beta for Abbott and Costello, or um, excuse me, uh, Laurel and Hardy. And <laughs> for Laurel Thank and you. Hardy. Thank you for yes, that. Yes, you're welcome. I, I was I have some about to say something. I have some notes here. It's it's uh, Also, I'll cut half the dialogue, and it can just be them bopping each other on the head if we need to get, you know, some very strong points across. But I think that, yeah, focusing more on, we can still incorporate the science into this. 
and just sort of show that, you know what, if we're multiversing along here, that doesn't matter what, what multiverse you're in, mankind is going to have the greatest ideals and screw them up royally, either because of corporate concerns or because our hubris with science. All right. So, director, things have been changed. You've been given a budget of $55 million. That's fantastic. Now, half your dialogue has been cut and turned into slapstick comedy. The Laurel and Hardy angle is being pushed pretty hard. And yet you still need to make a statement about the Industrial Revolution, about medicine, and uh, about the eco-friendliness of the piece. Where do we go? What do you do with that budget? I got two C words for you. <laughs> oh, God. Cult and Cthulhu. <laughs> I'm listening. So am I. (laughs) So so our writer has laid out the fact that the corporate mindset of the industrial revolution that is causing people to work in factories and die of allergies and coal miners and the, the greed of capitalism, we're going to treat it as them spraying things into the air, people sucking it up, and being turned into drones in service of a darker, malevolent god. A Cthulhu-esque oh, god, you so might it's say. more than just the one character flip-flopping now. Oh, yeah. Brains are starting to get turned to mush. Samuel L. Jackson stops, stops Kristen Wiig's... <laughs> stops Kristen Wiig's transformation... Before it goes too far! They start hopping around the multiverse, and every time they change, she turns into someone else. Oh, look, like, now she's now she's Jackie Chan. Oh, no, she turned into Kim Kardashian. What's going on? Oh, so we get to incorporate, like, 50 different cameos. Everyone in Hollywood wants a piece. They're all trying to jump in. Hey, can I make a cameo? I'm making a cameo. Why are you making a cameo, and I'm not making a cameo? So then it becomes a whole long-running slapstick joke about who Samuel L. Jackson's talking to. Kristen, come here. My name's fucking Kim. Kristen, come here. My name is Jackie. Kristen, come here. I'm part of the Portland Trailblazers. What are you talking about? <laughs> so we get to do a big who's on first, who's on second. Thank you. Throughout the entire, throughout the entire movie. And we don't, we don't have to worry about dialogue because Kristen Wiig is going to be able to, to improv like no other. And anything that she's not able to fill in, Samuel L. Jackson is going to give you a well-placed motherfucker. <laughs> movie. <laughs> movie, movie, movie. All right. Cut, print, Oscar. <laughs> Nailed so, it. I got to say, producer, you did give them a budget of $50 million, <laughs> and now they want to bring in all of these cameos of what sounds like a lot of A-list actors and celebrities. However... You know, they are tapping into what might be a niche market, and they are keeping your dream of Laurel and Hardy alive. What do you do? While I must put a lid on the immense amount of pride that I have in your cinematic savvy, including the greatest comedy duo ever to grace the silver screen, thank you for that. Otherwise, i got some problems here. Still, I'm not liking the title. Some folks from A24... Were, were calling me. They were texting me during when you were talking, oh. so they really want some kind of really snappy... Well, 
Okay, no, not snappy. They want an intriguing title, okay. uh, something that's really gonna get people into uh, some of the, uh, shall we say, Sif Cinema type crowd inside mm -hmm. Seattle Joe. I'm thinking possibly the worst pharmacist in the multiverse. Mm -hmm. Just, just an idea. I know. I think that director, maybe this is just something that uh, you can tackle. But take my input for what it's worth. I, I also really need. We're gonna need to hit PG-13 on this, guys. I, I, I think PG-13. <sighs> That's still the widest possible market. I need to get the biggest possible return so that I can. one well-placed motherfucker is on. One, okay, you're, go, you're gonna get one, and you are gonna make it count. At least I hope so. I'm thinking possibly something like, to lighten the mood a little bit more, even, uh, give something for both Carrot Top and Samuel L. Jackson to play off of. Goofy Talking Dog. Goofy Talking Dogs. Everybody loves dogs right now. We can tap into the Reddit Doggo uh, Rare Pupper community. Really, that's an untapped vein of ore right there. We need to be able to sell a couple of toys in this thing. Maybe some talking Samuel L. Jacksons. I feel okay pulling the trigger on this. Maybe we get a better title, A24 distribution. I think we got a shot. Who's voicing the dog? Oh, I mean, that's, that's clearly going to be Kevin Hart. Oh, okay, done. That makes sense to me. Okay. Yeah. Um, so I'm going to go ahead and put this through the movie machine, which does sound exactly like David being pelted with lighters. Stop! Stop! Where are you getting these? And out of the other end of the movie machine. So, your box office isn't the best. Really, it turns out what you guys created was a mixture of Repo the Genetic Opera and the Imaginarium of Dr. Parnassus. <laughs> Neither of which are you movies... You didn't have to be so harsh when you said that. Neither of which are movies that did particularly good. Mm -hmm. You do get about $25 million in return, so you make half your budget back. Oh my god. <laughs> and actually that's bumped up by about a half a million because Carrot Top pays you to be in this movie. Mm, that makes sense. He that is sense. that desperate for work. <laughs> I did threaten him. <laughs> so I just offer him creatine. It could have been better, but this movie ends up being mostly a tax write-off. It does premiere at Comic-Con, and the panel is actually completely full. You have a full audience of people who come to see it, but that is mostly because the Game of Thrones panel is right after, and a lot of people in there are saving seats. I'll take it. You end up not looking at your Rotten Tomato scores, which aren't great. However, it does become sort of a cult classic in the same way that Plan 9 from Outer Space I'll take that has too. become. You're right. welcome, hipsters. Yeah. Now, what it's we're going to do burn. is we're going to... years. Yeah, just burn. a couple of decades. Yeah, yeah. it yeah. takes a little time, the pulp but fiction people get the into it. Absolutely. So uh, now we're going to go around and uh, knowing what this movie becomes, what would you change about it? And we are going to start with our writer. Ooh, I'd, get, I'd, I'd ax the talking dog. I think Cthulhu would eat that thing up right away. I just think it would be gone. No talking dog. And, and no Kevin Hart. Unless Kevin Hart could voice Cthulhu. Okay. All right. Be still my heart. <laughs> How about you, director? What would you change? The dog is the vessel for Cthulhu. <laughs> Cthulhu is voiced by Kevin Hart. And it turns out to be a love story between Kristen Wiig and Samuel L. Jackson. Oh. <laughs> And how about you, producer? How would you turn this box office dud into a real moneymaker? Well, I think that I maybe... I was about to agree about the dog, but then Marcus, I think, maybe see the light again. I want to keep the dog. Um, <laughs> I, I like the title still. Um, I, I think that maybe we should just lean into the 
more adult humor and go for the R. I think that maybe mm. we might get a little bit more of the Deadpool mm-hmm. action movie mm-hmm. crowd. Mm. Um, I think that maybe my instincts were a little bit based in the 90s and 2000s of uh, what sells in movies and times are changing. Well, running through that again and doing a few of these changes, the movie does do better, axing the dog. Nobody likes Scrappy-Doo, let's be real. Okay, I'll accept it. However, the R rating and turning it into a little bit of a romance does appeal to a lot of people who are just completely unsure what to expect. It bumps up the box office because uh, people see R rating and comedy and immediately they do indeed think of Deadpool. Unfortunately, it does not bump up the Rotten Tomatoes score because, I mean, they did spend the money for their ticket, but that doesn't mean that they have to like the experience. So with those changes, your movie does, I would say, about uh, $45 million. All right, I'll take that. We're only, what, $5 million off of our... Still tax write-off, right? Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Okay! Yeah, you know what? I think what matters is the artistic victory here. Yeah, yeah, yeah. it's totally like the first screenplay I put forward. Citizen Kane, <laughs> Saving Private Ryan, Bridge on the River Kwai. Yep, yep, yep. <laughs> How come I can't think of any other? The Shining. Uh, Godfather. Shawshank Redemption. The Departed. And people will look right at it and say, "Yes, you know what belongs on that shelf? The worst pharmacist in the multiverse." Yeah, you're damn yeah. right. Yeah. All right. Um, I would like to thank our panelists so much for coming out here and creating such an amazing movie. Thank you. Our pleasure. I I don't know. I can <laughs> say with absolute certainty that I still have something that can be called a career. And I would like to end this episode, as always, with some wise words from our patron saint, Jaden Smith. You can discover everything you need to know about everything by looking at your hands. Thank you, everyone, and good night.